Danny Lavery here, and I have a special announcement for our listeners. Some of you know that I published my latest book in February. It's called Something That May Shock or Discredit You, and it's about transition and religion and thinking a lot about Jacob wrestling with an angel. Today, I wanted to let you know that for a limited time only, you can get a really good deal on the audiobook, which is read by me. Go to slate.com slash Danny. That's right. It's just slate.com. Danny, short for me, Danny. There's also a link in the show notes of this episode. The audiobook will cost you just $12.99. That's $5 off the list price, and you will be hard-pressed to find a better deal, at least about memoirs about me. After you complete your purchase, you'll be able to listen to the audiobook in your preferred podcast player, including the one that you're using right now. There's no special app to download and no subscription fees. There's one more thing you should know. The audiobook sale is brought to you by Slate. That means your purchase not only supports me, it also helps support Slate's important journalism that you depend on. So it's a win-win. You save money, and Slate makes money. If you've ever thought about checking out my book, there's never been a better time than now. This is a limited-time promotion, so don't just sit there. Go to slate.com slash Danny and buy my audiobook today. One more time, that's slate.com slash Danny. Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Austin Channing Brown, an author, speaker, and media producer providing inspired leadership on racial justice in America. She's the New York Times bestselling author of I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness, and the executive producer of The Next Question, a web series imagining how expansive racial justice can be. And now here's our first letter. Subject, my therapist keeps texting other people. Dear Prudence, I have recently returned to therapy after several years away in order to deal with some COVID-related fears. So far, both my visits have been virtual. Though he seems like a nice guy, my new therapist spent significant portions of each session texting with others. Our first session ended with some guided relaxation. I had my eyes closed but could clearly hear his iPhone ping and make keyboard sounds as he typed messages for nearly 10 minutes. During our second session, his phone rang. He apologized for the interruption, but then I heard him texting again as I was in the middle of speaking. I didn't bring up the texting at the time, but I found it disconcerting. In this tech-obsessed era, is such behavior par for the course, or is it fair for me to look for a therapist who will put his phone away? Well, I have a very short answer to this one. I mean, (laughs) look for a therapist who puts their phone away. What the hell? That is so... Unreal. He's telling what? he's telling you like, okay, close your eyes and imagine a beach. And then you just hear like clicking, clack, 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 clack. Am I being attacked by crabs on cement in the parking lot outside of this beach? It's it's like a new level of rude because our phones do have an option called silence. Yeah, I just mean like, boy, that bar is low. If you are I mean- even in a virtual therapy session with somebody else, don't be texting other people. Right? 10 minutes. If you if you were, could you at least do it quietly? Like, could you pretend to be courteous? Mm, yeah. You should no. at least pretend to be courteous. That is ridiculous. It is not par for the course. 
It's especially weird that he apologized when his phone rang and then just went back to like loudly texting. <laughs> right. just, like, I'm just imagining somebody like in the theater apologizing for their phone ringing and then just like hauling out like an old little like keyboard that's like on their lap and clacking away at it. I think there is room when someone is having an emergency, right? I feel like it is not unusual for someone to say, ooh, my phone just rang. I'm not going to answer it. But if you could give me just a second to text them back so that I can like clear up the situation or, you know, get a ride home for my child or, you know, to take care of an immediate situation. But for this to be happening multiple times. In both sessions. And like this guy you know, he he became a therapist. You have to go to school and everything. Like it wasn't a surprise to him that in sessions you shouldn't be taking and answering messages. So it's not like, it's not like he wasn't familiar on like, well, if you're going to be a therapist, you have to figure out a way to manage your time such that you don't need to be texting people in sessions. So don't worry about like being rude or anything. Like just tell Mm -hmm. him, you know, uh, I I need not to work with a therapist who's going to be on their phone during most of our sessions. It was incredibly distracting and made it really difficult for me to do any of the sort of therapeutic work. Um, I need to find somebody else. And like, I'm sure he is a nice guy. That's not the question. That's not the problem. I think sometimes it just takes a while to find the right fit. And I'm so sorry that after several years of being away, you have come back and, you know, we're hopeful that this relationship would work out. But since it did not, I would very much like for you to move on to someone. It is not the right fit for anybody to be in the middle of saying like, well, it's been really hard ever since I lost my job. And then just have their therapist being like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, clack, clack, clack. Clack, 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 clack. Nobody needs that. Nobody needs that. (laughs) Nobody. You deserve better, friend. You deserve better. And two sessions in a row. Oh my gosh, yeah. Just tell him that that's why you will not be scheduling a third session. Look for somebody else. I I mean, I guess if you wanted to, and he was very like, I'm really sorry, you're absolutely right. There's been some intense things going on. I can assure you it won't happen again. And you really wanted to, I guess you could give it another shot, but it's just not that hard to find a therapist who won't do that. It's very reasonable expectation. I And I think you'd feel stressed out in your next session worrying like, okay, is he really going to do it this time though? You know? <laughs> right. Did he just put the phone on silent? Yeah. <laughs> but he's really texting anyway. Yeah. We just, uh, we just don't know. Mm-mm. Move on, friend. Move on. Move on. Speaking of moving on, <laughs> let's read our next letter. So the subject of this last letter is relationship and social media rules. Dear Prudence, I'm in a one and a half year committed relationship with a woman, which has recently become long distance. We both agreed it'd be a good idea to have some rules for social media since we both had a history of hooking up or flirting with people on the platform. We also agreed to purge old hookups and set basic ground rules about likes, commenting, etc. in scenarios where it may appear flirtatious, like no responding to thirst traps. We both did our purge, and it's been fine ever since until recently. The problem is my girlfriend recently asked me to look for something she couldn't find in her bug-out bag full of sentimental treasures that she'd grab in a fire, and I found a letter from a man dated sometime after our relationship started. I looked him up on Instagram, and sure enough, he's a very attractive man she's never mentioned to me. The two of them have a history of likes and comments going back a few years. All he does is post selfies, so I can't help but think some level of attraction is already there that's also apparently moved offline. So the quandary is this. I've discovered what appears to be a violation of the rules, but in a way that feels like I invaded her privacy, even though I was asked to look in the bag. 
I've stopped myself from bringing this up, but on occasion I think about it. My girlfriend is also very tuned into my social media usage and asks me about every woman who likes or comments on my posts. Help. Does this sound like a good system? Like, does this sound like a good system that you would agree sounds fine? Or does this sound like something else? It it sounds like there is a lot buried in the history of them both here. And that the creation of those rules was maybe to avoid talking about that history and whether or not they're both ready to make it history. Yeah, I mean... I I really want to leave a lot of room for different things work in different relationships. Sure. But man, these are a lot of rules and a lot of monitoring and a lot of like, you know, every time a woman comments on one of my social media posts, my girlfriend kind of interrogates me about it is like, is, are you okay? Like, is that fun for you? Do you like that? Does it make you feel like we've got a pretty good handle on trusting each other? Because I I just, I hear that and that sounds fucking exhausting. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I think that there are probably other ways to talk about the fact that you two have a history of hooking up with people, which is not something you need to apologize for. Right. Um, but you do need to have a conversation if that hooking up is not finished. If you're in a monogamous relationship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, she asked you to look for something in the bag. I don't want to say that means on some level she wanted you to see it, but like you don't leave a special bag of treasures at your boyfriend's house and then say, hey, can you look through it without, I think on some level, kind of hoping yeah. that he'll see. Some, do you know what I mean? Like, I agree. And I think it says a lot that the letter is in the special bag of treasures that I wouldn't want to lose in case of a fire. You know, that it has that much sentimental value seems worthy of a conversation. Yeah. And I wonder if what you can do here is not have the conversation on the basis of both like, well, I transgressed by looking, but you've also transgressed because you broke the rules. (laughs) So we're both in trouble and we're both fucking up. And a real serious monogamous relationship is mostly about holding each other to really exacting standards and interrogating each other and figuring out who's right and who's wrong. Like if you could just maybe put some of that aside for a minute and just say, I would love to talk about this. What we've been doing is a lot of monitoring and it doesn't seem like it's actually making either of us feel good. Cause like you still ask me every time a woman says something that like neutral or nice to me on social media. So that makes me think that there's something that you're worried about that I'm not actually putting to rest and then I've been thinking a lot about this letter that I saw that you haven't mentioned. And so I think there's there's just room for both of us here to talk a little bit more honestly about like, what am I afraid of? What's important to me? What do I like about this guy? What You know, that's, again, that's not about like catching her and admitting like she thinks somebody else is cute. So you can say like, I knew it. You never really loved me. I got you. Your punishment is seven years without Instagram. Um, but to just say like, okay, maybe a lot of rules isn't helping here. And maybe what will help us figure out a better solution is to talk honestly at first about like, what do we like about flirting with other people? Mm-hmm. Is it possible to even imagine like light flirting that's not necessarily hurtful, disrespectful, involves denigrating our relationship that just has to do with like, sometimes I post a cute picture of myself on social media. And if other people say things like, you look great and that makes me feel good, that doesn't mean I'm looking to skip out on you. 
Um, and, and how can we maybe avoid stigmatizing all of those as being equally bad such that if it feels like, oh, well, there's one guy that I kind of like when he says I have a nice smile, I'm basically cheating on my partner. So I might as well go ahead and do that next. Like, Do you feel like the letter writing is another step towards intimacy, though? Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. I realized like I was kind of getting into what I saw as the bigger picture problem. But my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. Like she seems to be in some kind of a relationship with somebody else. I don't know how serious it is or how ongoing it is. But yeah, I think the thing to say is like, he's clearly really important to you. And what's hard for me is that I don't know anything about him. And I would like to know more. By the way, sorry, (laughs) if you hear what sounds a little bit like a happy bumblebee, it is because Bonbon is eating my sock, um, which is (laughs) very much on my foot. So it's, um, it's a little challenging to try to advise this couple. But yeah, I mean, and again, not like with the approach of like, you must be cheating on me. You two must be meeting up in a hotel every week and we have to break up right now. Just to say what you saw and to just say like, it's clearly true. Now that you know that I know, you want to talk about it? Would you like to tell me (laughs) about who this is? And again, that doesn't mean you have to then just be like super chill and be like, awesome. Thanks for letting me know. Like if you're hurt, if you feel cheated on, if you've been cheated on, you're absolutely allowed to, you know, have a feeling about that. I just think that's right. You've you've both done so much work about like what's allowed and what's not allowed. And that doesn't seem like it's made you feel trustworthy or trusting. And so I think a different approach is in order. And then if she tells you like, yep, sorry, I'm actually in love with this guy. And you're like, well, then I think we should probably break up. That's okay too. Yeah. But I, I want, whether you work things out between the two of you or you break up in whatever future relationship you're in, I don't want you to feel like, we did a social media purge. Uh, we're not allowed to comment on a thirst. Tr- like, just like what constitutes, like, I know that we know, like, okay, if someone's like posing like artfully nude and everyone else is just po- posting like peach emojis. Yes, that's a thirst trap. But like lots of stuff is just like other people look nice. And uh, I, I just don't want you to think that you, the only way you can commit to and love a partner is by saying, you know, here's just every moment where, somebody of the opposite sex talking to me is suspicious and bad and and takes away something from you. And so we have to guard against it every waking moment. I want a lighter relationship for both of them. Yeah, yeah. One where like we both think of one another and respect and care for one another and that that shows in the way that we relate to other people, but not, you know, uh, oh, you violated rule 15 uh, <laughs> commenting on a thirst trap and you have to go in the bug out bag now for an hour as time out. <laughs> do you, do you and your husband have any social media rules? Do you have any principles you generally abide by? Do you, do you ask him about every woman who comments on his page? No, my husband is not on social media. There you go. So it's just me. Oh, so we probably shouldn't be asking your advice at all. You don't even know. You don't even know what it's like to have a husband on social media, Austin. <laughs> no, like, I do not understand. It's the truth. Yeah. I oh. do not. I have not been in this situation. That, but I do love Marco Polo. Mm-hmm. The game? The pool game? And no, the... Um, <laughs> although that was my first thought. No, a more recent Marco Polo oh. in which you can use... Um, you can send video messages oh, it's to people. It's an app. That makes much more sense. I was like... <laughs> Where are you going swimming? 
Right. And I have a friend, Joe, Mm -hmm. who I send messages to pretty regularly because Joe is sort of my life coach, business coach, mentor. Mm -hmm. And one day my husband heard me on the app saying, Joe, I just really love and appreciate you. And, you know, thank you for being in my life. And my husband was like, um, who is Joe? Right. And to which I responded, Oh, Joanne. <laughs> you know, yeah. Joanne. Allow me to clear this up. <laughs> right. But he absolutely wanted to know who is this person that you are expressing so much love and gratitude with. Yeah. And, you know, there's ways to do that that aren't punitive or suspicious or like, I assume that if you care about somebody else, it's because you're trying to hurt me. But, um, it really does feel like the letter writer doesn't exactly feel, I don't know, the letter writer didn't say anything about feeling hurt so much as like, it feels like a violation of the rules. And by the way, my girlfriend's always giving me a hard time. So I I almost wonder if part of what he wants to say is like, it actually does not bother me that you talk to a, a handsome guy. What bothers me are the rules that we initially agreed upon, but I now realize are incredibly constricting. In which case, have that conversation. Maybe you're not hurt so much as just like, well, if she violates the rules, I'd like to be able to flirt with eight ladies. Like, you know, pay attention to that. Um, I I can't help but wonder how much time this takes up in their relationship. It sounds like a lot. Because is is it like like every day at eight o'clock? We're going to talk about each other's social media and who is who and what is what yeah, the what's and the status debrief. of each relationship. Yeah. That sounds so exhausting. Yeah, it it seems like you're both, at least your girlfriend is very turned into your social media usage and you have amped up yours as well. It doesn't sound like that's brought you a lot of joy. So I wonder if now is a good opportunity to reconsider, I mean, any number of things. Like, do I want to spend less time on social media? Do I want to talk more about our trust issues and less about specific uh, Instagram comments? Do I want to think about moving so that we're no longer long distance at some point? Do I want to talk to a couples counselor? Do I want to do some combination of all of the above? Do we want to, you know, have a sex party someday when uh, the pandemic is over and really work through- And just invite everybody. Just work through some of these issues, like through the vehicle of the flesh. That is also an option. Um, (laughs) I'd recommend transitioning first just for the fun of it, but it's a a really great idea. Um, You should transition and then have sex parties in your beautiful home. That's my advice to everyone. Do you and Grace have conversations about this? Because you two post amazing photos of one another. And I could see someone sliding into either of your DMs and saying, do, hey, it's wonderful. are you two in a monogamous relationship? We are not in a monogamous or... relationship. And we enjoy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like talking to each other a lot. And it doesn't mean like, hey, fuck off, no rules. Um, and sometimes we still get to check in or say like, I want to know more about this person. I'm both excited for you. And also like, I need some reassurance, but, um, you know, that's also the case with many people that I know and love. And there's, it's not like a magic solution to insecurity, um, or uncertainty, but I think it certainly helps to not think of it as like, oh, how could this happen? Like, how could you in this world find someone interesting or likable or attractive? Um, how, how could things have gone so wrong? Like, it doesn't feel like this shocking, awful thing so much as like, yeah, that's part of what makes being alive really good and important. Um, yeah. And I also know that that's not a solution for everybody. I just always want to throw it out there because I always was, I was very much like, sure, sure, sure. It's great. It's just not for me. I guess I'm just 
one of those weird old fashioned people who still likes monogamy. And then later I was like, oh, no, this is actually fantastic. Terrific. I had no idea. I did not think I would enjoy this at all. Um, and, you know, talk to me again in five years. I might be like, oh, and it went so badly. And I'm so mad right. that I did it. Um, like time will truly tell. That's right. We are growing. We are all growing and learning about ourselves. We are all growing so much, but so many people are attractive and it's really nice to flirt and love your partner and feel deeply loved and a secure sense of attachment and to have a small, small dog. Oh, we all need a bomba. He is so precious and he's really ruining this sock. So I should probably wrap this up. That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 